Welcome to Insights and Indicators. I'm Jason Thomas, Carlisle's Head of Global Research and Investment Strategy. And in this podcast, I share our observations and opinions on the economic landscape, as well as insights from research being conducted by our team here at Carlisle. Today, we're discussing the investment implications of artificial intelligence, and I'm joined by Michael Wand, co-head of Carlisle Europe Technology Partners and co-head of Europe Private Equity. This episode was recorded on October 10th, 2023, and the discussion reflects composite portfolio data and analysis of recent government reports that are accurate as of that date. Before we turn to Michael, a few words about what we observed in the portfolio data in September. So I would say overall, the global economy leaves Q3 2023 in much the same state as it entered it. Our data, again, consistent with U.S. economic growth of about 1.5%. The euro area economy remains roughly flat uh, as the downdraft from energy-intensive industrials and, and the German economy offsets growth observed elsewhere. And property market retrenchment and continued sour business sentiment detract from what are otherwise encouraging data from China. Uh, particularly as it relates to services consumption, foot traffic, sales more broadly. I would say the one outlier was Asia outside of China, where we did observe an acceleration in overall activity and consumption over the course of the third quarter. I would make a special note of India, where our index of economic activity in the country finished September 2023 about 8.5% above September of 2022. One additional note I would say is that although the U.S. growth rate has been consistent for the past two quarters, that there has been quite a lot of volatility in the underlying expenditure categories. For much of the year, growth had been powered by experiences spending, travel, tourism, live events, broader leisure. In September, our experience index declined a bit. And I think in this case, growth is going to become much harder to come by. You have certainly full airports, uh, passenger employments extremely high, hotel booking rates high, restaurants are full, of course, but growth from these very high levels of activity may be harder to come by. And I would say that some of this deceleration, you could say, or again, just harder growth to achieve has been offset by extremely strong industrial investment. And this isn't equipment orders per se, but really fixed investment in industrial structures, semiconductor fabrication plants, green industry manufacturing facilities for battery storage, solar modules, battery recycling, and then liquefaction terminals for uh, LNG exports. So all of these spending on these categories grew in the quarter at about an 18% annualized rate. And of course, these are very often long-lived projects. So while hard to predict growth from here, certainly that activity is going to persist for many quarters ahead. With that, Michael, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here, Jason. Thank you for inviting me. I want to begin with a threshold question. We've all become very familiar with chat GPT, generative AI more generally, and its impact on the listed stock market, particularly in the US, has really been astounding. Of course, with AI exposed stocks, or you could say high beta stocks with regard to AI, reaching eye-popping valuations, and the nine mega cap stocks responsible for most of the investment in these systems to date, accounting for over 99% of the year-to-date gains in the S&P 500. So, Michael, what do you make of all this? And does this represent, does AI represent a hype cycle that's almost guaranteed or destined to end in tears? Yeah, thank you, Jason. I wouldn't say it's a hype cycle which will end in tears. It's clearly a hype. 
But frankly, AI isn't something new. People think it has only shown up on the scene in recent times, but it has been something around for quite a while. Let me take you just through a little evolution and then also how we got there. So if you go back into the first AI research, that was actually during the 1950s, where research on cybernetics, neural networks, and machine learning has been created. And many scientists contributed to the subject, including, for example, Alan Turing here in the UK with his seminal paper, Computing Machinery and Intelligence. There have been many setbacks over the years, mainly due to limited funding and limitations of computational power and consequentially the underlying data models. But despite the volatile environment and the volatile development of AI, towards the end of the 20th century, AI researchers and algorithms focused on certain application areas such as data mining, industrial robotics, speech recognition, business intelligence, medical diagnostics, and even Google's search engine, which we're all using on a daily basis. The major advances in AI were only made possible in the last 15 years, however, when computing became cheaper and faster, the access to large amount of data was possible, so-called big data, and advanced machine learning techniques, deep learning, were applied to an increasing amount of problems and industry sectors. But it is probably fair to say that the real breakthrough came only recently with the development of foundation models, the so-called large language models, trained on a vast quantities of unlabeled data that can be adapted to a wide range of downstream tasks. This only began in 2018. So models such as GPT-3 released by OpenAI in 2020 or Gato DeepMind in 2022 have been major achievements in deep learning. And the general public, and this is what we're talking about in the latest cycle here, has only caught up in the last year when ChatGPT, the generative AI chatbot, was released in November. And the novelty of generative AI is that it's not only an expert system related to a very specific narrow field of applications or expertise, but it can create new content, including audio code, images, text, simulations, and videos, and even software code. And that unleashed the recent boom, which we were just talking about. So we had an adoption within the public, which within two months reached 100 million users. This has been the fastest technology adoption ever. We had obviously an unprecedented hype in funding, VC funding $25 billion in 2023 so far, and the public markets investors, which you refer to, have pushed the S&P up by investing in what they consider AI-related stocks, NVIDIA, Amazon, Google, and Microsoft and so forth. But it's not only the stock market and the public who have reacted, it's also the enterprises and the corporations, because in the last nine months since the launch of ChatGPT, about 80% of the Fortune 500 companies have adopted work teams working with the technology. And there are now economic estimates out there believing that AI and particular generative AI could add somewhere between $2.6 trillion and $4.4 trillion in economic value to the economy. That's kind of the equivalent of the GDP of the United Kingdom. So I think the most recent events have been a watershed. It is something that is here to stay. There is a short-term hype, but it will clearly be disruptive and pervasive and it touch all our lives. You mentioned that 80% of the Fortune 500 have dedicated work teams that are devoted to AI. And of course, AI has, has raised very interesting questions about the future of work, future productivity gains. Again, you referenced the economic contribution on par with 
the entire GDP of the UK, potentially. I'm wondering, what have you seen in your portfolio? Obviously, you have a tech-focused portfolio. How have these companies that you work with, that you sponsor, that you invest in, how, how have they been adopting AI to accelerate growth or streamline their processes? Yeah, sure. I mean, everybody's talking about it. That's very clear. But if I take a step back for a second, what are the areas which are most affected, most likely? And in contrast to previous, call it for a moment, industrial revolutions, it's the knowledge worker here, not the handyman, who's probably going to be affected most. So activities like decision-making, collaboration, content generation, those are the activities where we see the first impacts of AI already happening. And I do think if you think about where is that applied, what areas is this, this is mainly in sales and marketing. This is in general in any sort of content generation. This is in CRM. This is in e-commerce or software development. Those are a few areas where we see an immediate impact and we see immediate use cases. Calistone, for example, is a portfolio business which provides digital global funds, distributions, and transfers. And they basically have estimated that the use of generative AI going forward will reduce the costs of the customer service cases by more than 20%. Or we have another business. We did a survey where some of this information is coming from, a business called SER, which is an intelligent content automation software business. And is one of the first companies in that space using AI for delivery of contextualized content experience across many business applications, which type into, for example, the ERP stack or the Salesforce or the Microsoft stack as well. At the other end of the spectrum, more on the robotics and hardware side, we have a business in the portfolio called Agilox, which is an autonomous mobile robots company for production environments. And they estimate that it can reduce the costs of their sensor sets by 50% over the next three years. And these are all things which are already in progress and in process. So they haven't waited to implement or think about how they can use the latest evolutions in AI. They're trying to implement that into their business processes, into their products as quickly as possible. That's fascinating. Now, how does this experience inform your views about the investments, capital deployment going forward? Do you think that AI will constitute a major theme in your investment strategy? And also, how do you consider or, or grapple with the downside risks, the potential for disintermediation, some businesses potentially whose revenues may fall uh, precipitously as AI essentially disintermediates them from their customers or, or their markets? Yeah, so first of all, I would say when it comes to deployment of capital or investment into that space, broadly speaking, uh, you should treat with caution. Uh, it's, it's more tricky than just jumping on a bandwagon and thinking, okay, this is the right way to play it. And also with regard to Carlisle, I think we have to realize we're not in the venture capital business, so we will not put money into startups developing the latest AI algorithm or the latest LLM. In general, one has to state that the primary AI technologies such as deep learning models or large language models or the relevant chipsets, this is the field of the big technology companies which have the computing and data and financial resources to provide increasingly complex AI models and platforms, that's actually not even the world of startups. So in our case, we try to observe how the technology gets embedded into other technology stacks and applications, which one can massively benefit from empowerment through AI, basically. And I think in this area, I mentioned that earlier, 
areas like content production, data analytics, customer relationship solutions, or digital advertising, but also risk management and software development tools, just to name a few. Those will be application areas where the infusion of AI will create significant product enhancement and new winners. And those are the areas where we, from a technology investing perspective at Carlyle, would probably seek out alpha. And the same is true, frankly, for IT services. It doesn't only have to be product companies. You have companies with strong expertise in data analytics or data integration and AI. And they're currently already benefiting from the huge demand for know-how in these areas where corporations are trying to figure out how do I deal with my setup? How do I deal with my data set? And how can I extract more value and more, let's say, analytics out of the data I have? So this means we will not be really investing into the immediate and primary AI, let's say, technology stack, but more into the first or second derivative of an AI application, i.e. not the foundational technologies. We believe that these other areas, there's a lot of value to be added, and it will also accrue from a value creation and price perspective. Great. Uh, just one final question. Uh, Michael, I, I travel a bit for work. Uh, and, and when on planes and looking for movies to watch, I often find myself drawn to Terminator 2. Uh, this is special resonance for me because it came out when I was about 15 or 16 years old. And, you know, I don't know how many times I've seen the film, but I've never come away from it thinking that accelerating the pace of research into artificial intelligence is a good idea. Now, the question is, how close are we? to generalized artificial intelligence? And how do you grapple with some of the sort of nightmare scenarios that have been presented? I'll be back. No, joking aside, <laughs> um, it is a very good question. And that thought has come through my mind as well in recent months or quarters, if you will. It is clearly one of the, let's say, most horrific scenarios you could think of that machines are taking over and particularly military machines are taking over and with all the consequences. I actually don't believe that we are far away from general AI, which is the next evolution, obviously, of the generative AI we're talking about, where decisions are purely being made by intelligent machines. So I do think this is where this whole area of how do we control how do we police it? How, where are our moral barriers come in? But in terms of getting technologically there, we're not far away. Within the next five years, that could happen. And then it's a question of how is human mankind dealing with it? And where do we let it, where do we let it influence our lives? And where does it stop? But I think this question about how far are we from a Terminator 2 scenario, at least in terms of technical capabilities, has never been as close as it is today. Wow, that's... Uh... That's very exciting, but but also, of course, uh, gives gives some reason for uh, for pause or, or you know at least deeper reflection. But Michael, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us uh, and for a great conversation. It was a pleasure, and thanks for having me. Well, on behalf of the team here at Carlisle, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us again for our next episode of Insights and Indicators. <laughs>